The list of presidential candidates isn't final yet, but the National Security Bureau is already prepared to ensure campaign safety. 220 security agents have completed a rigorous 18-week training program. Once the ballot is finalized, the agents will be assigned to the presidential and vice-presidential candidates. At the agents' graduation ceremony on Thursday, the bureau also showcased canine bomb sniffers that will be joining the security detail. No matter the threat, be it a knife or a handgun, these special agents are ready for interception. The National Security Bureau has completed the training of its security staff for presidential candidates. We do not serve any particular party or individual. Our goal is to ensure the safety of all the candidates. In this mission, there is no room for failure. 220 agents went through 18 weeks of intensive training. They will be split into four teams of 55 agents each to protect the three presidential tickets and potentially a fourth. Each unit will include four female agents to accommodate the security needs of the candidate's spouses. Once the candidate's ballot order is determined, agents will be assigned by lottery. The teams will have access to the latest advanced equipment. The National Security Bureau bought American armored vehicles for canvassing. Besides having 360-degree panoramic video recorders, they feature a bulletproof glass curtain that can slide up in 70 seconds to ensure the safety of every candidate. Besides state-of-the-art vehicles, agents will be armed with gunfire locators and U.S.-made sniper rifles with thermal imaging effective up to 1,500 kilometers so that they can react to threats during evening rallies. Agents will also have help from 11 bomb-sniffing dogs. Two black labs are on the scene, looking smart in shoes and noise-canceling earmuffs. Following incidents like Abe Shinzo's assassination, the National Security Bureau is going all out to form robust security for the 2024 elections. Becoming a parent using surrogacy is illegal in Taiwan, but that could be about to change. The health ministry says it's drafting amendments to Assisted Reproduction Act. One revision seeks to legalize surrogacy arrangements. Another would expand access to assisted reproduction to same-sex couples and single women. The proposals will be put up for public review early next year before being delivered to the cabinet by the end of 2024. To take effect, they must then be approved by the legislative yuan. Draft amendments to the Assisted Reproduction Act are gradually taking shape. Regarding surrogate motherhood, whether it should be legalized, that's an issue for the public to debate. Currently, Taiwan's laws on assisted production are strict. Access is permitted only to married heterosexual couples, in which the wife is able to carry the fetus herself. If necessary, the couple can use either donated sperm or donated eggs, but not both. The couple must also have a medical diagnosis of infertility or a major hereditary disease. Taiwan is home to breathtaking mountains such as Yushan, the tallest peak in Northeast Asia. Experts say that Taiwan could be a global hiker's paradise. And if it weren't for the red tape required to get an access permit, the issue was recently brought to the fore by a Polish traveler.
A towering mountain is shrouded in mist. As the tallest mountain in Taiwan and in Northeast Asia, Yushan draws tourists from far and wide. But one Polish hiker was disappointed to find how tough it was to get a hiking permit. For some famous mountains hikes, you need to apply for permits weeks before. It's hard for those who decide to come here suddenly. At Yushan, 24 slots are reserved each day for foreign tourists, allowing them to skip the general lottery system. But they must apply 35 days in advance. On the permit application website, hikers must submit a detailed itinerary for each day in the mountains and leave emergency contact details of a Taiwanese national. The paperwork can be a challenge for foreign visitors and even for Taiwanese agencies commissioned to submit documents on their behalf. The problem is that if foreigners are required to do it themselves, it's a pain, and they won't necessarily understand everything. There was one time during a hike that my group had to retreat. Later, we received a fine saying we had camped somewhere different from what he had stated in our plan, but the problem was that we hadn't been able to reach our destination. Experts say that if Taiwan wants to capitalize on mountains as a tourism draw, it must simplify its permit application systems. But others say that with Taiwan's unpredictable weather and frequent trail closures, the permit requirements are a necessary precaution. Many of Taiwan's mountains are inside national parks, and as such, they have to be protected in accordance with the national park law, meaning more restrictions apply. The National Park Service and the Forestry and Nature Conservation Agency have routine meetings. If someone brings this up, we can all discuss it at the meetings. Simplifying permit applications will be a test in balancing tourism development and hiker safety. The Dance Now Asia Festival seeks to promote the development of dance and cultivated talent in cities across Asia. This year's first ever festival will showcase performances by Taiwanese, Japanese and Korean dance masters. Our reporter Stephanie Yang has the highlights. The Dance Now Asia Festival is underway, featuring talks, Q&A sessions, workshops, and master classes for dancers. Asian country has a long history, culture, and and also we have a very traditional uh, dance uh, ceremony, and which they are very beautiful. We use it to go to the Europe. We think the Europe is always is like uh, the best, but. Uh, we also have to think of where we are, and then we we are like Asian. We have our uh, cultural athletic. So, what is our dance? What is our body uh, language? National Award for Arts winner He Xiaomei is chief curator of the festival. She is joined by co-curators Keiko Taikeya, founder of Japan's Dance Zero One Company, and Moonsuk Choi, Daegu City Dance Company's artistic director. Recently, so many dance festivals in Asian countries, but I need more, I think, because uh, each country has a very wonderful traditional uh, culture. So we are maybe future to combine traditional and modern and uh, to making uh, original. We are really excited to collaborate with these three countries and as well the to know each other and in this exactly in this moment uh, in the world there is lots of things going on but we wanted to have one voice through this festival 
and this is very important and to send a message to the world. The festival also includes two days of performances that are open to the public. Nine dancers from Taiwan, Japan and South Korea will be showcased at Taiwan's historic Zongsan Hall. The reason that we host this festival is that uh, Taipei Zongsan Hall right now is in a transformation uh, period of time. So we hope that like in 10 years from now, we're going to become a dance center uh, in Taipei, maybe in Taiwan. Uh, so uh, for Zhongshan Tang and for the Department of Cultural Affairs in Taipei, uh, 2023 Dance Now Asia is a very important project. The performances of Dance Now Asia 2023 will be staged on November 11th and 12th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhenshen Luo in Taipei. The three-day Taiwan Expo Japan had its grand opening in Tokyo on Wednesday. Present at the ceremony were Economics Minister Huang Meihua, Taitra Chair James Huang, Envoy to Japan Frank Xie, and Japan ROC Diet Members Consultative Council Chair Fuluya Keiji. The expo showcased Taiwan's latest high-tech products targeted at the Japanese market. Both Taiwan and Japan face issues surrounding a declining birth rate and aging population. They must both rely on digital technologies to enhance their services. The Taiwan Expo Japan showcases Taiwan's latest applications for achieving a digital transformation and a green energy transformation. Other semiconductor manufacturers are willing to increase investment in Taiwan. Some 10 billion NT will be invested in the first quarter of next year. According to the economics minister, the Taiwan-Japanese tech partnership is set to grow, grow closer. While in Tokyo, she's already visited several Japanese firms to court investment. Companies including Ibra Corporation and Fujifilm have committed to increasing their Taiwan investment by about 10 billion NT. TSMC founder Morris Chang was awarded for the first K KT Lee Award on Thursday in honor of his contributions to technology. The award ceremony was attended by President Tsai Ing-wen, as well as prominent tech figures like Honghai founder Terry Goh, TSMC chair Mark Liu, and Quanta chair Barry Lam. There was also a surprise appearance by NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang from the U.S. Former Vice President Vincent Xu presents a plaque to TSMC founder Morris Chang, the first recipient of the KT Lee Award. Chang is joined by his wife Sophie Chang, who gives him a bouquet and a kiss. In my autobiography, which is almost completed but not released yet, I talk about Mr. KT Lee. I could talk about some of those things now. The KT Lee Foundation for Development of Science and Technology held its first KT Lee Award ceremony on Thursday. Present were President Tsai Ing-wen, Honghai founder Terry Goh, TSMC Chair Mark Liu, and TSMC CEO Cece Wei, who confirmed that TSMC intends to keep its 1.4 nanometer process in Taiwan. The event also drew a high-profile guest from afar. Mr. 
There was a buzz of excitement as NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang entered with his wife Lori Huang. They went straight up to the Changs, sharing embraces and smiles. It was the biggest surprise of the function. Uh, I've known Morris for a quarter of a century, ever since uh, my early 30s. And uh, uh, Morris said that without KT Lee, uh, there would be no TSMC. Without Morris and TSMC, there would be no NVIDIA and no uh, chip industry that we enjoy today. And so this is a very special day for, for, uh, for Morris and a very special day for Taiwan. The Huangs attended the event in honor of the Changs, highlighting the close relationship between the couples. With Jensen Huang back in Taiwan, speculation is heating up again over what his next steps will be. Need a break from the routine? Hot spring season is in full swing in New Taipei's Jingshan and Wanli district. Located on the northeast coast, the region is acclaimed for its rich spring resources, which include carbonated springs, iron springs, and even silky soft submarine hot springs. During the hot spring season, visitors can also enjoy discounts on local culinary specialties. There's nothing like a dip in a hot spring for relaxation, especially in the fall and winter. Taiwan is blessed with unique spring resources, particularly in Jingshan and Wanli districts. The hot springs here in Jinshan and Wanli are very rich in diversity because they're at the foot of Yangmingshan. Besides sulfur springs, we also have carbonated springs here. The Jingshan and Wanli Hot Spring area is located on Taiwan's north coast, near Datun Mountain of Yangmingshan National Park. Benefiting from its proximity to the mountains and the sea, and from volcanic geothermal heat from Datun Mountain, the area is famed for its sulfur springs, carbonated springs, and iron springs. It also has submarine sulfur salt springs, notable for their mild sulfur aroma and cozy warmth. The submarine hot springs are actually slightly salty. The water is silky soft. For tourists who are after a beauty treatment, it's a very comfortable experience. Of course, don't miss out on the local culinary specialties. The North Coast and Guayinshan National Scenic Area Headquarters has compiled a list of recommended eats, and it's offering sweet discounts to visitors, so start planning that relaxing getaway. For food, we're offering a discount of 100 NT if you spend 300 NT or more. At some of our hot spring hotels and hot spring baths, you can also enter a raffle draw when you spend at least 300 NT. Be sure to stop by Jinshan Old Street to sample the snacks, or you can wander farther out to enjoy the coastal sights, such as the husband and wife rocks at the Twin Candlestick Islets. Whatever you do, the area promises a leisurely holiday. A high school athlete from Taoyuan just won gold at her first major boxing championship. Shen Xingai clinched gold in the 48-kilogram category at the ASCB Asian Junior Boxing Championships. She began boxing in fourth grade after getting curious about a gym that opened near her home. She also practices mixed martial arts and badminton, broadening her skills. Her school is supporting her career with the hope that she might become an Olympian. Two boxers circle the ring and trade blows. Taiwan's Shen Xin'ai fell to the ground at one point but got straight back up. When the bell rang, neither had been KO'd, so the judges had to announce the winner. Winner is bowed, split decision. Boxer in the red corner. Yes, what do you mean? 
the five judges gave it to Shen after a suspenseful 3-2 fight against a formidable rival from the host Kazakhstan. Shen took gold in the women's 48kg category, Taiwan's first ever gold at the ASBC Asian Junior Boxing Championships. The match wasn't too tough, but sometimes she hit my belly and I had to dodge, otherwise it kind of hurt. Shen, a first year in the sports class at Zhishan Senior High in Taoyuan, is a native of Dashi District. She started mixed martial arts and boxing in the fourth grade, as well as badminton. Boxing training can be painful, but she's never wanted to quit. Now she's triumphed at her first international championship. A coach opened a boxing gym near my home. When I passed by, I wanted to go in and try it, and I kept training until I got results. We're putting together the maximum scholarships we can and nutritional subsidies for the student so that she doesn't need to worry about family finances while she trains for contests. We hope to see her compete at the Los Angeles Olympics in 2028. Shen's school is planning a scholarship to support her budding career, with the hope that she might be on the podium in LA in 2028. Thanks to her badminton training, the slight Shen is extremely quick. With her first major gold under her belt, she's facing the future fearlessly. Today, we take you to meet Marina Medvedeva, a dancer turned baker. Initially, when she moved to Taiwan, the Russian native taught dance. But after giving birth to her daughter, she began baking for her family and close friends. She even started an Instagram page as her cakes become more popular. Today, she has a thriving business serving made-to-order cakes. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the story. It's called Benta cake because it, it fits into Benta box. She slowly spins the cake and adds two different icings onto the cake. And she adds tiny pearls made of chocolate. This is a bento cake, a small treat perfectly sized for one to four people. Originally from South Korea, bento cakes have taken the internet by storm. This cake is for our teachers, so thank you so much for having us at your school. This one was handmade by Marina, a Russian baker. It's a gift for her daughter's teachers. Uh, I wanted to make something special. It's not, not like regular, boring cake for our teachers. I wanted to make this something fun and special since bubble tea is just very, very Taiwanese product. It's very fun to make such a cake. So usually people like to put some lettering, some nice and I love you or something like that. This is cakes to go the best present for your friends. Another signature treat is cheesecake placed in a cup so that it's perfect for a quick afternoon snack. No need uh, to have a special decoration if you don't want too much, you know, of frosting. Some, some people, they don't like frosting. People are so different, so it's very good to, to make them something for their request. Marina is originally from Russia. She moved to the U.S. and worked as a dance teacher. Due to her husband's job, she moved to Taiwan eight years ago. She taught dance for a while, but after giving birth to her daughter, she began exploring a new passion, baking. As a self-taught baker, she worked hard to master her craft, experimenting with lots of techniques. She started her own Instagram page where she features all kinds of cakes. She even makes her own cottage cheese. Ask people everything, uh, feeling, decoration, 
day of delivery so it's it's absolutely customized uh, i started to make just very simple cakes it, it it was honey cake with no decoration with nothing special uh, now my passion is to make some figures Having lived in Taiwan for eight years now, she calls Taiwan her second home. She has a daughter and a son who both grew up here. We just could not believe how convenient is here, how everything made for people. Everything, MRT, this bubble tea shop, uh, every, you know, breakfast shop, everything so good. Just want to live a happy life. Uh, as far as baking, brings me so much fun and so much joy and I like when people send me pictures back with nice words, very kind words of my jobs. Marina hopes to continue to bake tasty treats for people and bring joy to those around her. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tendrin Hao in New Taipei City.